Glory to God. Tell you what, I was bored out of my mind this afternoon. I really was. I hope this is on. I turned it off while ago. I might have messed it up. Yeah, it's on. Back on again. Praise the Lord. I'm going to go ahead and get started tonight. And if I don't get to use my lapel mic, that'll be fine. I'll use the handheld. God's word is going forth tonight, folks. No matter what may be the case, God's word is going forth tonight. Is that any better? Can you hear me now? Turn it back off and back on again. This keeps blinking on and off. But it, it, it'll catch it. Um, okay, it seems to be on now. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're going to go ahead and get started tonight, but before we get into the Word, I wanted to read you something that I came across in the newspaper the other day. I clicked it out, and I've been meaning to read it to us, and I have forgotten to do so until now. It's out of the Quero Record devotional page. It says, Are We Living in the Last Days? It was written by Gary Andrews. <coughs> Excuse me. It said, No one knows the exact time and date that Jesus is coming for his people, but the Bible tells us to be ready because it could be at any time. We are told in many passages about this being the last days, but not many ever think that it could be today. All one has to do is to look around and see what is happening in the world. Look at our nation and see the politics that people play and the way people take care of themselves, themselves instead of looking out for others. These are scary times that we're living in. And many people don't seem to care that the world is under the influence of Satan. And he is guiding us to his home in Hades. I often wonder how the founders of our great nation would react if they could see the direction that some of our leaders are taking our country. Why are the people allowing this to happen? I firmly believe that the reason is that we have told God he is not welcome in our schools, businesses, our homes, and even in some of our churches. We keep electing politicians that govern to the ways of the world instead of listening to and reading God's word for guidance. I hear advertisements about how people react if they hear that a storm is coming soon. They get themselves ready for the impact and make provisions for trying to get through the storm. These ads compare to the Bible that tells us Jesus is coming soon. But no one seems to care. And carry on with their normal routines of life. Why is it 
that we are so frightened when we hear a tornado siren. Yet it wouldn't bother us if the angel of the Lord started blowing his horn. I'm not saying we don't need to heed the weather warnings, because we certainly do. But we do keep our but do we keep ourselves in tune <clears throat> with God so that we are ready to meet him at any given time? Paul tells us in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, out of the New International Version. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Do these verses sound familiar to what's happening in our world today? Amen. Are you ready for Jesus when he says it is time to come home? If not, Ask him into your heart today and pray for forgiveness of your sins. He will forgive you and the worldly things that will begin to fade away from you. The suggested prayer here is, Thank you, Jesus, for loving a sinner like me. I pray that you will forgive me of my sins and allow me to live with you in your glory. Amen. Amen. You know, I preached a message on those verses not long ago, if y'all remember. And it's true. Any day now, there's nothing left in Scripture, I don't believe, that has to be fulfilled in order for Jesus to come. We've got to be ready. We're right there at the threshold, folks. We're right there at the doorstep. We're right there, ready to cross into eternity. And the question is this, are we ready? You know, I praise God that there was three people today, this morning, that gave their heart to Jesus. Amen? That Amen. was wonderful. That was wonderful. <laughs> we prayed the sinner's prayer, and they I know that they accepted Christ into their heart and life, and I tell you what, they got their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that's what's important. There's nothing in this world as important as that. And I just want to, I want to tell you today, that these times are coming to pass. These things are happening on a daily basis. And it could be just any day. Let's be ready. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to take, take, want you to take your Bible with you today and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, and it's going to be verse number 22. When you find it, if you would, let's stand as we honor God at the reading of his word tonight. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, abstain from all appearance of evil. Father, we thank you, Lord, for helping us to do just that, not to commit sin. Help us to live righteous and holy and pure lives before you, 
knowing full well that Jesus is coming any time now. <coughs> knowing, Father God, that he could that sound of that trumpet could blow at any moment, and that the dead in Christ will rise first, and then those of us that remain shall go, go with you into heaven to be with you forever and ever. Amen. We thank you today, dear God, that you're going to be with us now. As we look into your word, we thank you, dear God, to show us what it means to abstain from all evil, the, even the very appearance of evil. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Tonight's message is called, I forgot the title. What was my title? Refrain Yourself. Refrain Yourself. Yeah. Refrain Yourself. That's another word for the word abstain. Let me tell you what the definition for the word abstain is. I've got it right here on my phone this, this evening. It says, abstain means to refrain deliberately and often with an effort of self-denial from an action or a practice. We know that God specifically commands humankind to abstain from idolatry, sexual immorality, drunkenness, and other sins. So abstain means to refrain deliberately and often with an effort of self-denial from an action or a practice. In other words, we don't continue to live in sin. We say bye-bye. We say adios. We say get out of here. We don't want you anymore. We don't want you living amongst my, my life. I don't want you to be in my trying to control my life anymore. You're a thing of my past. You know one of the Brother Morgan and I was talking one day, and guess what? We came to the same conclusion. The past is what? The past. In other words, you can't go back and change it. You can't do anything different from what you did. You know, I wish I could do a whole lot of things different from what I used to do. Not just about before I got to be saved. I'm talking about since I've been saved. I wish there were some things that I could go back and redo all over again. Do what I call him golf, another mulligan, in other words. I would love to be able to make some decisions in my life over again because my wisdom now would tell me this was the decision I should have made instead of the one that I did make. I sometimes find myself living in regret. You ever been to that city, the city of regret? You know, where we can be careful. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves living there more often than we'd care to or like to. We need to understand that God wants us to progress. He wants us to move forward. He, he said, Paul said this in one of the books he wrote. He said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press forward towards those things that are ahead for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, he forgot his old way of life. And believe me, there was a lot to I mean, now, you may say, well, I don't know that he ever actually forgot it all. And I don't know. I'll have to ask him when I get to heaven. But I do know this. He didn't let it interfere with his ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. And we can't either. We cannot let it keep us from moving forward in our relationship with the Lord. We've got to be looking forward and, and keep our eyes on the cross and, and, and the blood of Christ. 
You know, that's what we preach, folks. We preach this right here. We preach the cross and him crucified. The day they took a crown of thorns and pushed it down upon top of his head so that blood came out of his brows. He, did, he had hands, his hands were outstretched like this. And he had them nailed. They weren't just tied. They were nailed with railroad spikes. And his feet, the same thing, down at the bottom of the cross. And what we need to understand tonight is this, folks, that we preach a living Jesus. We preach a living Christ, a living Savior. Because he's no longer dead. He did die for three short days. And I don't know if it was like the ones that they count them as in, in the jail system at the Loose Derrick jail system or not. In the jail at the Loose Derrick jail system, for three days of being in jail, you would go in at 11 o'clock at night. The next day, you'd stay there all day long, and they would let you out at 12.01 the following morning. They considered that to actually be three days. I don't know if it was that kind of time frame with Jesus or not. I do know this, that he was in there in the grave for three days, and then he rose, and he came out of the grave. Praise God. I serve a risen Savior. You serve a risen Savior. We need to be excited about that, folks. That's, that's, I remember when I first got saved, I was going around trying to get everybody in my workplace saved, but you know what? It was harder to do than I thought. I thought everybody ought to want to know Jesus. After I came to know him myself, but you see, they were still living in their sin and living in, in their wantonness, living in their lewdness and their sexual immorality. They were just didn't want anything to do with the Lord. I had people making fun of me because I did serve the Lord. I was going to Bible college when I was in Bank Dallas, and one of my bosses came up to me, and he said this to me. He says, why don't you come over to my house and bless <coughs> bless the water so we can all foot swim freely. You know, we need to understand there's people going to make fun of you for being a Christian. They're going to make fun of you. They're going to call you names. I, I've never been called a holy roller yet, praise God. <laughs> but I do know that there have been people that have been called that. There have been also people just called prejudiced and, and, and tolerant. And, and that's just a few names. And the reason they're saying that is because you're not going to bow down and let them run over you with their sin in their life. You're going to take a stand for Jesus. You're going to tell them at work that I'm a born-again Christian in Jesus Christ. I don't want you talking like that when you're around me. That's offensive to me. If I have to, I'll go to my boss and tell him to tell you to hush up and stop talking like that. Of course, that's just going to make things worse. Because if you ever in school and had a bully, I did. I had this bully. And I tell you what, when I got him in trouble one day, boy, that was the wrong thing to do. He came and back at me with a vengeance after that paddling got through with him. And I'm telling you, folks, that the world's going to kind of treat you that same way. They're going to try to bully you into hushing up. They're going to try and bully you into tell and stop talking about Jesus. They're going to try and bully you into to stop even living for God and living for Jesus. But let me tell you something, folks. If you do that, there's going to be one thing that will two things that will happen to you if you stop serving the Lord. One, the Bible says if I deny him, he's going to deny me before my father. 
And then the second thing is, I will go straight to hell. And I don't want that to happen. I know you don't want that to happen. Not just for me, but for yourself. <laughs> None of us wants to go to hell. Believe me. I told you about what kind of place that was this morning. I don't know if that's what scared the people into raising their hands and accepting Jesus or not, but I was glad that they did because their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And the angels of heaven rejoiced when that happened. Amen? And it'll happen again, and it'll happen again, and it'll happen again because I believe that the Word of God has no bounds to it, knows no boundaries. Amber alert. Amber alert. Well, I turned it off, so hopefully that took care of it. But anyways, there's no boundaries to the Word of God. It'll, it'll go wherever it needs to go. Did you know that the uh, uh, consent, not consensus, the, the uh, biblical scholars say that most every prison guard that was ever put over Paul to keep him in his chains and stuff, keep him under control, so to speak, that most every single one of them got saved by Paul. Well, by God, through Paul. And what I'm saying is, is that if he can put on a smile and, and, and act like nothing's happening while he's sitting in a stinking jail cell and prison cell with chains on his hands and feet and stocks and everything else, if he can do that, Surely we can put up with a little bit inconvenience with people calling us in names. You know, I'm here to tell you today, folks, that we've got to take to heart what we just got to do. We've got, we've got to let God take over, take complete control of our life. Let me read to you what it says in Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. We're going to vision hold what you got because we are coming back to but I want to read you something that Paul wrote to the Galatians, the Galatian church, in Galatians chapter 2, verse number 20. It says, I, this is Paul talking, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. In other words, he was, he's been put to death. He put his flesh to death along with Christ just like he did. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, Jesus took complete control of Paul. The sinless one. The one that never knew sin. The, never one that, the only one who never committed any sin. He took possession of Paul. Well, Saul, and then he became Paul, and then on a daily basis, he continued to live his life in and through <coughs> And that's what we need to understand. To abstain means to, to stop doing something. Not, not allow yourself to do something, in other words. And that one something would be that I don't want to commit sin. You know, the Bible talks about in the book of Job, it talks about that the devil says he was out looking for somebody to go after. And God said, did you consider my servant Job? 
And he says, I can't even touch the guy. You got that hedge around him. And he says, I'll take it away for a moment. And I'll let you do what you want to. You just can't touch his body. And so he does. And he, when he does, he takes his children from him. He takes his wealth from him. All that good stuff. And then he comes back and says, but if you'll let me touch his body, okay, you can do that. You just can't kill him. Well, he goes ahead and puts boils all over the man's body. And I'm here to tell you today, folks, that the Bible says this about Job when God was talking with the devil about Job. He said he is stealing evil. That's an old-timey word, and what it meant is that he shunned it. He turned away from it. He, he didn't want anything to do with it. And that's the way we've got to be in this world today. We have to abstain. We have to not want to do anything sinful. Because when we make plans ahead of time to sin in some way, shape, or form, what we're doing is we're presuming upon God's uh, grace. And we can't do that. We can't say to ourselves, well, I'll go ahead and do this anyways, even though I know it's a sin, even though I know that I don't need to be doing this, because I know that if I just go back to God and ask His forgiveness, He will. He'll forgive me. The Bible says He will. We cannot presume on the grace of God. We've got to understand that when we sin, it should be one of those cases where we actually fell into it. In other words, we didn't intend to do it, but if we do it, then yes, we do have an advocate with the Father. And yes, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, he, that is a promise of God, and He never goes back on His promises. But what I am trying to say is this tonight, folks. We've got to be so dedicated to God in our Christian walk that when sin comes knocking at the door, we say, faith, go answer it. And faith will answer it, and that will take off. That temptation will take off. That fear, that whatever it is, it will take off. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. We've got to say no to sin, folks. We've got to say no to the devil. We've got to say no when somebody comes around trying to get us to do something. There was a, a skit one time I did in a church where there's this guy, he was just a born-again Christian, just gotten saved, sitting there in a chair reading his Bible, and Jesus, they got a representative in the skit, there's a representative of Jesus standing behind him, and he's right there next to him, and <coughs> got his hands on his shoulders, he's reading the word away, all of a sudden, he gets a phone call, and he picks up the phone and says, yeah, he says, no, I don't live like that anymore. That's not my cup of tea. And he hangs up. About a few minutes later, another call comes in. He picks it up. Yeah? Well, no. I not only do, don't do those things that I used to do, but I don't go to those kinds of parties anymore. Oh, she's going to be there, huh? And so then his whole demeanor changes. And he says, well, give me a little bit. It's going to take a little bit of doing, but I'll be there. And he hangs up. He stands up. He puts the Bible down, closes the Bible, puts it down, stands up, says, Jesus, we're going to pick up right where we left off when I get back. But right now, I'm going someplace that I don't believe you too much care for. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to this, this place that I'm going to go to, and I'm going to do some things I know I shouldn't do. And 
and things like that. But we'll pick up right where we left off when I get back. I promise. So he starts to get ready and everything. He starts acting like he's showering and, and putting on deodorant, splash, splashing on the aftershave with the cologne. And anyway, he starts to walk out the door. And Jesus follows him everywhere he's going. And he follows him up to the point where he's about to walk out. And he stops him. And he stops Jesus. And he says, Jesus, I told you, this is not some place you want to go. You need to stay here, and I'll be right back in a little while. We'll pick up where we left off. I promise. And he turns to walk out again. Jesus right behind him. Anyway, he turns up, turns around, and he says, Jesus, I didn't want to have to do this. And he takes Jesus' right arm, and he holds it up like this, and acts like he's putting a nail in it. Same thing with his left arm. Same thing with his feet. Turns around and walks out. That's the way people are sometimes, folks. They want to do things so bad that they're willing to deny their faith to do it. They're willing to put Jesus on the back burner. And they're, and they're willing to compromise their Christian witness with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you tonight, folks, that we can ill afford to do that. Because the world is looking for something that's real. And Jesus is real. Yeah. And we need to present him in that fashion to the world of perverseness and crookedness that we live in. We live in a crooked and perverse generation, the Bible says. And we've got to understand that for right now, the devil seems to have the upper hand. But guess what? His day is coming. His day is coming. Matter of fact, it already came. Because he already died, he already lost when Jesus went to the cross and rose again. But what I'm trying to say is this, is that up until the time that Jesus does come and get his bride and takes it to be with him forever and ever, until that point in time, <clears throat> the devil is going to be working on you overtime. Yeah. Because he's trying his best to win you back. You know, this might not be a very good illustration, but it's only one Sometimes people date and they break up. They date and they break up. Date and so forth. Anyway, they finally get to the point where they actually seem to finally stick together. Well, it was because the guy most likely had to be the one in the process of doing it. But he would always go back and win her heart again. In other words, he would do whatever it took to get her interested. And then she would come back. Then something would happen and she'd go back away again. Same, like I said, until finally they get married. Well, then he's like, I don't have to pretend anymore. I don't have to act this way. And what I'm trying to say is this, folks, is that there's people today who are in that same boat. That the, the devil is trying to win your heart again. He's trying to get you back to doing what you used to do, going to the places you used to go, going on the computer, looking at things that you used to look at that you shouldn't be looking at anymore. He, he's trying his best to do what he can. It's like a fish in a lure. He'll, you throw it out there, and you're hoping that fish will bite it, and you can start reeling them in. Well, that's what the devil's trying to do to you tonight. He's trying to lure you back into the ways of the world. I remember this happened to me 
and I'll go ahead and tell it just to make a point. And this happened right, right about the time I first got saved again. I was in Bible college, and I would, on the weekends I would go to this bar in, in Carrollton, and I would be with my best friend, and, uh, well, not my best friend, a friend. He wasn't my best friend. But anyway, I would be with this friend of mine and my cousin. And I was trying my hardest to live such a great and wonderful life for Christ that I would win them to Jesus. Neither one of them wanted Jesus. And I thought, I can do this. Well, I started going. At first, I just started kind of hanging out with them and listening to their cussing and this and that. And I just did my best not to follow suit. And I didn't. And then... They decided, well, we need to start doing some things on the weekend. So we went to this place called a uh, restaurant bar in Grew. And so we would sit at the bar, and I would drink my Diet Cokes. I'd drink one right after another, one right after another. I did that for about two months. And everything was full, cool. Everything was fine. Then I made a mistake. The following week after that last time, I went to that same place again. Still trying to win him to Jesus. And all of a sudden, this urge came all over me. This old urge of drinking again. And I ordered a beer. And they waited, and he waited until I actually took my first sip of it. But up until then, there had nothing, nothing ever had been said to me to stop trying to witness to him. But as soon as I took that first sip of that beer, he looked straight at me, the, the friend that I was with, not my cousin, the friend. He looked straight at me and he said, Now, don't you ever try to tell me about this Jesus of yours again. And I tell you what, I ran out of there with the tail between my legs. I cried my eyes out all the way home. And that was a good ways to drive. Carrollton all the way back to Waxahachie. But I tell you what. He gave me time and thought to pause and think. And I realized this. I said, I can't do this anymore. I won't do this anymore. Because the devil had did exactly what he had tried to do. It took him a couple of months. But he did what he tried to do. And that was to get me to fall. To get me to make a mistake. And I did. I have never made that same mistake ever again since then. But then that's been over 30 some odd years. I wasn't even a pastor yet. I wasn't even in the ministry yet. I don't even remember if I was in the Assemblies of God yet at that point. But I do know that all that's all it took. That's all it took. And I lost my witness to that guy forever. And what I'm trying to say is this. It'll happen to you as well if you're not careful. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. It doesn't even have to be a sinful thing. But it can lead to sin, like it did with me. And it will do the same with you. Believe me. Don't learn by experience like I did. Just go ahead and make up your mind and your, and, and, and your spirit right now saying, I'm not going back again, devil. I'm not going to take that first sip again. I'm not going to watch that pornography anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm Make up your mind, folks, that that's something of your past and it's going to stay there and you're not going to relive it ever again. Just make up your mind to that. And then it says, from all evil. In other words, 
It doesn't have to just be even one thing. You know, another thing I used to do before I got to be saved was I used to go to the triple X uh, uh, bookstores and I used to go to uh, strip clubs. That was my home away from home. Anyway, and I was glad that once I had decided not to do that, I never did it again. But what I'm saying is, is that one beer, that one sip of that beer, I didn't even finish it. It just sat there. Because as soon as I did it, I got up, paid my bill, and walked out. And I drove home. And like I said, I found out your repentance. I did it over and over and over and over and over again. Knowing full well, according to the word of God, that God had heard me on the first time. But you see what I'm saying? Is that we've got to make sure that our lives are right with God. And we can't live in sin and expect God to say, Well done, how good and faithful servant. That that has to be a thing of our past. Let's make our minds up tonight. <coughs> but that is the past. And let's refrain. Refrain yourself from the things of this world. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you tonight, dear God, for blessing us, ministering to us, guiding us, and directing us. Lord, let our past be our past. Let us not relive it. Let us not go back to it. Let us not be like a hog going back to his slot. Lord, give us a desire like only you can to serve you and you alone. God, your word says even that you will, that it is you who gives us the will, the desire to serve you and the power to do it. So, Father, we thank you right now, dear God, that we're your servants, that we're living our lives for you and will continue to do so until the day that you call us home, whether it's through rapture or death. We ask, dear God, that it all be done in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask, as I always have, is there anyone here tonight who says, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to make him so tonight. Anyone at all? I don't believe in long altar calls. Father, I thank you, Lord, that everyone in this house tonight is saved, Father. That everyone of us knows Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And Father, I thank you, dear God, that you're going to speak to those individuals on Facebook Live right now that are watching. We thank you, dear God, that you're speaking to those individuals. And maybe I've said something tonight through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through the anointing of the Holy Spirit that has touched a heart or a cord in someone's heart and life. And God, they want to make that decision for Jesus tonight. If they do, then let them pray this prayer right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess all of my sins. I ask you, Jesus, to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. I ask you, Jesus, from this day forward to come into my heart and into my life and to live your life in me and through me from now on. And I love you so much. Thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your love. Christ's name I pray. Amen. Appreciate y'all for being here tonight. God bless y'all.